Do, 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 do. Undercurrent. Thanks for listening to Undercurrent. We've got a lot of show this episode, and a lot is happening at the space in November. First, last episode was all about the group show After Light, curated by Undercurrent co-director Dynamatis. You have until November 9th to check it out, so head on down to 70 John Street in Dumbo from 1 to 7, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Next, on Thursday, November 21st, Jennifer Slavin Harris's show The Missing Piece will open. It runs until December 28th. Then, on November 23rd, Undercurrent is hosting a double-feature concert. Lo-fi indie folk musician Scott Rudd will be performing, as will the duo of Dalos Noyakaitis Noyo and Panayotis Mavridas. Keep an eye on the Undercurrent webpage for more information. Now for the main attraction. Earlier this month, singer-songwriter Migloko came to New York from Lithuania and performed at Undercurrent. Most of the crowd was Lithuanian expats, so it was a cozy, familiar vibe for the performer. The night before, Migloko talked to Undercurrent's Adriana Furlong and me. You'll hear that interview in a minute. Afterward, you'll hear three songs from the concert. I Know It, Come To Me, and Skumba Tarska. The last song, Skumba Tarska, is the Lithuanian folk song-inspired piece Migloko refers to at the end of the interview, and she introduces it to the audience in Lithuanian. But the story is told in English earlier, so no one is left out. You can find Migloko on Facebook as Migloko. That's M-I-G-L-O. KO. We'll put the link in the show notes, too. So nice to have you here at Undercurrent. My fascination with your practice also relates to the fascination I have with the other artists that we've interviewed here on the show. Um, the act of impasto or layering of paint to kind of create this emotional response in the viewer. And I feel like I see similar modes of working in your practice, which is, you know, singing in which you, I guess, layer the um, vocals and kind of play with different sounds overlapping each other. And I guess I, I would love for you to talk about where that started, if it started more of you just singing into your mic at home, and how did you integrate the kind of layering of sounds? Yeah, actually, like, this um, boombox story started when I was just, like, I think four years old. I had my little magnetophone it wasn't boombox and i was like obsessed by recording tapes since i was little and for me it was my favorite thing just i had my own world i was just sitting in my room and recording recording pretending i have my own radio show then pretending i'm like singing then over recording radio uh, shows into my tape and I was just recording over recording and acting and just doing crazy things with it and then after my childhood passed, I was like, I forget about all these things, you know? And then when I was around 20, I think I had a vision about the, me with some very stylish silver boombox. And then I forget it. But it it just was still following me, like this vision. And I was like thinking, oh, I don't know if this, if I need to do this. And then one day I was like, okay, I think it's time just to find this um, boombox from my kind of the 
dream world, like the very silver one. And I found one. I found like old man in Vilnius and Lafayne, and he's like, um, he's like collecting old boom boxes. And I just bought one from him. It was quite expensive, but I just bought it. He repaired it, and uh, yeah. And then I just started to live my vision truly. You know, <laughs> so this is the story. That's that's so great, and I think. <laughs> There's like a facet of postmodernism in there. I loved how you were talking about how when you were younger, you were drawing from all sorts of influences, radio shows, yeah, yeah, um, and kind of reinventing this like multiple characters and multiple identities for yourself, which is something that's very freeing in music, I think. Yeah. Like you can go across boundaries. Personally, I feel much easier than you can with art because sometimes you get you know stuck in categories and stuff but you seem to really you're able to like you know transcend that yes and about my music style it's like I really I never get stuck with one style you know I'm always like uh, really just like doing whatever I feel like so sometimes like I like just to uh, interpret for example very like old jazzy style but I have super rave electro song and I just have like this like trick like some crazy trick in my mind and I'm oh I need to do like this it it will sound crazy because I really I love contrast in music I like when there's like super electro but the voice for example sounds like so vintage so this is something yeah that's great I I had a couple questions about the boombox and stuff too which were so back to this question of layering when I was a kid and I did this sort of stuff like you were saying, I would I would try to over, do my own overdubs at home. Like I would record a track, then I would play it through the stereo and sing while, and it didn't work because the, <laughs> the quality falls apart really quickly. Um, but now these days we have the the sort of cliche of the musician in their bedroom with like Ableton Live or whatever, and it's yeah. all all the computer, everything is done in the box. So do you? Is, is is this giving something away to say, yes, yes, I do this all on the computer with Ableton or whatever and then just put it to tape later? Or does the tape play a role in how you create the songs that you create? Yeah, actually, the yeah, it's a bit tricky question, but <laughs> the tape, the tapes, all I have, it's like there's music in it. It's like already music in it. So I... I'm buying like all tapes with music in it because I like when tape is already used because it have the warmer sound when you record something in it. So then I'm like um, recording my own tracks. I'm like using a lot of just like samplers. It's just like to sample the sounds and I just like to have it like very warm, not so compressed. I don't like like this very like, how to say clean sound what we have nowadays i like something a bit trashy a bit like like this you know it makes me feel like more at home and more cozy when i'm still staying standing on the stage so yeah then i just record my music which i i'm making with a lot of different layers like i'm recording some a bit room sounds and i'm trying to create like this warm thing also using a lot of like cold electro sounds you know so i like like i really like like this weird uh, combination of something very cold and very warm and clean so like this is my style i guess like this contrasting style that's really interesting also in the sense that in a way you're all these samples you're taking from different places and gathering yes. it's almost like found narratives so you're kind of 
you know, borrowing stories, borrowing notes from other people. Yes, and I really, you know, I really believe that uh, when I record something, for example, something somewhere, and it's like the moment what was there, I'm like, I stole from that moment where I was and I'm having it in my tape. So I have like some kind of mysterious thinking about it. And I have that crazy moment with that crazy essence I had and I'm playing over and over and it comes back and it comes back again, like the essence of that moment. So this is something what makes me feel like, wow, I, I love records, you know, I love to record things. And I think that really comes through because, you know, you get a you know, more universal sense to it so it can appeal to a bunch of different people. I mean, I think immediately of A Tribe Called Quest and their use of, like, found records and, you know, these records that have been cycled through time and different hands. And I think that really adds to, like, this community feeling that I totally got when I was listening to you sing up there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> one, one way of asking this question also is by thinking about um, about maintenance and thinking about the degree to which your work is custodial in nature. So it, it deals with taking care. It deals with preserving, with tending to. You know, you imagine a fire, it's your job to keep the fire going through the night. Mm -hmm. And I mean that because, uh, so when you came, uh, there was the question about whether you could plug the system into, whether you could plug the boombox into an American outlet or not. <laughs> and and we solved this by, by getting the model number and downloading the instructions. And it was great for me to look at the instructions because the, this thing is older than you are. It, this, the boombox was built in something like 1981 or 1982. And so it obviously had the transformer built in. But the point being is that the, the service manual, because it's a tape deck, there are so many pieces that just wear out over time. The belts wear out, the capstans that push the tape along wear out, things start slowing down. Like that. And then but then you're committed now to this this kind of weird uh, to take care of this boombox. It's like a family member that you have to you have to help out and, and cure when it starts wearing down and, and because of the way you're talking about your music also this these ideas of warmth and intimacy that is provided by that warmth, by the all analog type of uh, the analog glow, the famous analog glow, that I wonder if, if that carries on to the way you tend after your baby boombox, who's, even though the baby is older than you. I was <laughs> oh, sorry, your question was so long, and then I was like, whoa, what, how can I answer now? Sorry, I need to think uh, longer. Oh, one second. Do you feel like you're the boombox's mom? Yeah, actually, I think like mm, the boombox. What kind of part in my life it, it takes? It's it's like I just feel not alone when I have my boombox, and it's really like it have something like with my childhood. Really, I don't feel that I'm his mom, but it's more like something what I had in my childhood when I was feeling lonely. And when I was feeling sad sometimes and I was just going to my um, old magnetophone and I was like like just doing things. And when I'm in the stage, I'm, I'm again lonely, but it's it become my work now. And it, and it also have some kind of like the tiny line with my childhood with this game. So for me, it's more like it's a game. It's a toy. And it's something like I'm bringing my game to people you know and 
because you know when I was little I was really I was inviting my friends to my room I was like check it out I'm recording this and I'm doing this and just it's so amazing can you tell me something now I'm going to record please tell me something so and now I'm also doing something like this but I'm singing and the people is around they're listening they're participating they're dancing they're just doing their thing they're thinking they're like so it's also the same game just in a bit different level so for me it's like a game you know Sure. That idea also of, of having the other people involved gives a community sense. And that's a, yeah. a, a thing that the boombox is really synonymous with this idea of the, of the block party back in the early, yeah. early days yes. of hip hop in the late seventies and early eighties, you would have people with, with their boom boxes and they put the boom box down on the, on the street and out come the cardboard boxes and people start break dancing and all this kind of stuff. And the yeah. boom box was what the group gathered around because that's what had the music. And perhaps there'd be like a break or something on it and people would freestyle over it. And it's, it's really hard not to see that and be reminded of that also when yes. you're doing this. Cause there's, you know, like when I was saying earlier, the cliche of being in your room alone using Ableton live or whatever, but the boombox is such a, such an inviting thing saying, come be with me. I'm playing this music out loud to the yeah. whole park. Come listen, come dance along. So it's, so it, it's a very clever way, I think. I guess this isn't a question. It's a very clever way of flipping around the idea of being a, a solitary musician into being into creating something that welcomes other people in. Yes, yes, agree. And it's also a nice symbol, you know, boombox. It's like really a symbol of music. And the way how I use it is like surreal. <laughs> Somehow I think it's like weird and nice in the same moment. <laughs> Yeah, in addition to what you said about kind of this boombox being synonymous with community almost, I think about, you know, now we have, you know, AirPods and earphones and all these things to distance ourselves from people around us. And, you know, I sometimes you ride the subway and someone comes on with a boombox and it's almost like at first you're annoyed. You're like, why is this person sharing, you know, their own experience with everybody else? But in a way, I think it's, you know, similar that we've become so removed from our fellow beings and in our own world that it's so refreshing to hear someone, you know, talk about going from their room and creating a loan for their own, like, ears and just, like, now sharing it with the symbol of the boombox, which, you know, symbolizes community, which is so... Yes, it's like boombox are just talking for them, you know, because maybe they just don't want to speak and then boombox are just, like, someone who is talking. It's like a spirit. (laughs) So where where did you grow up? Where I grow up, yeah, in Vilnius, so Lithuania. So where, where in Vilnius? In Užupis, actually. Oh, in Užupis. Okay, yeah, so because so, yeah. I was trying to imagine, like the boombox has much more of a Karolinishkes vibe or something <laughs> like that, like among the among the the, the tall Soviet era skyscrapers yeah. and everything, and just just in the in the center quad, just having the boombox. But uh, but you grew up in uh, yeah. in rundown artistic Užupis. Yes, but that's artistic Užupis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Does uh, what do you think? So, well, that's kind of funny because still, that's a neighborhood of Vilnius, very well known for its artistic life. Do you think that, or how do you think your environment that you grew up in? Because you ended up going to music school and stuff. So, how how do you think the environment you grew up in helped with that? Mm, I, because you know, my my parents they are artists too. Like my father, he's a sculptor, and my mother, she's a graphic artist. And um, 
Ja, how'd say? I saw them all the time. I saw them making art and I was always searching for my own way because, you know, I was like, I was like, mm, okay, I don't want to do what my dad does, you know, I don't want to do what my mother is doing. And, and I was like, hmm, I need my own way. And I was always like, since I was little, I really like found music and it really drive me crazy and I remember I was like having amazing view through my window and I was inviting my yard friends like oh come along and just let, let's do some records so this was my child you know and the boombox yeah and how I come to the music yeah it was just like that yes no that's great I think uh, it makes a lot of sense do you have some kind of do you do any visual artistic work or do you stick just to music yes I actually love because you know sometimes um, I get a bit um, overworked by making only songs and then I'm just like okay I just want to draw and I, I just like to draw some kind of animation I like to repeat things you know repetitive stuff so I draw myself and then I do around so a lot of repetitive sound for example a lot of little bottles or a mm -hmm. lot of little ornaments or a lot of little candies it's just like my weird kind of obsession with this yes yeah, so and I also like to make videos yeah I really like to shoot myself for some little live videos and I like to edit videos this is also something what fascinates me Yes, so I actually I like to switch from one media to another, you know, and just use a lot of tools. Like when I get tired of music, I do some drawing. When I'm done with drawing, I go back to the music. So, yeah. Great. How has New York been? <laughs> yes, first, first, I was like, I, I felt very like, oh, it's such a big city and I felt very lonely and it, it seemed to me so cold and so full of people I don't know and I felt so little here and like um, after I saw some movies from Jonas Makas I don't know I really love Jonas Makas and somehow he have like this uh, magic on me just to I don't know I just started to see everything like he's filming and it made me feel like oh now I understand New York is like the it's like an essence of the things And it's like kind of chaos and you're just need to just go with the flow and then you are in. It's somehow like this. <laughs> yeah, you me. can't you can't fight against New York. New York will always win. You <laughs> always have to say you always just have to let yourself flow into the chaos. Yes, exactly. Exactly. When you let your, when you forget your own like kind of like the how to say tvarka. Your, your order. order, yeah. Yeah, when you forget your order and you just go with the flow, then you can feel New York. So this is something I understand lately. Yeah, well, they say New York is either a place where you come to become someone or to become no one because there's a, there's a large incentive to kind of fade away and just be part of the mass. And, yes. that's, and that's kind of fun because some yes. people want to be the center of attention and other people are like, let other people be the center of attention. Yeah, I think it's also nice to keep harmony with it, like to go with the flow, but when you, when the flow brings you to some places where you see that people want to see you singing, then you sing, you know? Then you go with the flow and it's just like, yeah, just go with the flow and do the things when you are in the place for doing it, you know? I, I think like that. Can you tell me a little bit about the song that you recorded on the 
Bushwick rooftop. Yeah, this is actually crazy thing because like this summer I was going a lot to Zukia mm -hmm. because I love Zukia. You know Zukia. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's for for the people who don't. Yeah, uh, it's like a crazy Lithuanian old ethnic village with mm -hmm. old wooden houses with mm -hmm. a lot of ethnic stuff around and a lot of music artists, painters, writers, scientists, they lived there and they're still living there. And it's like, I don't know, that place have like amazing aura, you know, mm -hmm. it's like so powerful. So I spent a lot of summer there, you know, and I somehow started to be interested in folk music and like very old folk music, like pagan Lithuanian music. It's like Not like folk, pop folk, but something very old, like before Lithuania was occupied, like something yeah. like super. This is the this is the sutartines. The, yes, the poly polyphonic, very yeah. very close harmonies. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. The Lithuanian folk singing that is that has made Lithuania famous. Yes, yes, exactly. So. Uh, my grandmother, she had a book, like very big book, Sutartines, you know? So <laughs> I just was like, I called for my grandma, grandmother and I was like, oh, I really need this book, Grammy. I really need this book. And she was like, okay, I'm just going to give you. And I took that book and I, I had that beat already, you know? It's like something like very, what is, beat is like something what is quite popular today but I like to transform it to make it more crazy more weird I like weird things and then I just opened the book and I was searching for some lyrics what could fit you know by how it sounds what could fit by what they say there you know and I found that song and I created my own melody mm -hmm. like I didn't take the melody what was there but I created my own mm -hmm. and I took the lyrics I also created a bit something different with the lyrics so it's kind of my own interpretation of the Lithuanian ethnic pagan songs of the so, yes style. and I like to this is again contrast because I have like this beat what is very like a cold uh, electro kind of dance and I sing very warm ethnic uh, some kind of like even like how to say mm, magical melody because it's a bit ritual some kind of because the song is about the virgin girl kind of so I don't know I, I also like the stuff it's like very funny and very nice and very also sacred yeah yeah the Sotertines they they I don't know if this is because of my experience with them or or what, but they always do feel very ritualistic and, and yes. even even though you know they're singing about like cutting grass or something <laughs> yeah, like that, yeah, it still yeah, yeah. it still feels like you're you're in some kind of ritual, and that that really came through in the video that you made because you were you were dressed all in white like. Um, Like a vaidiluta, like a like a fire tender, like a young yeah. woman who tends to the to the eternal flame. So dressed all in white, and then the wind is blowing all over the place, and then it it had this strong ritualistic effect that I wasn't expecting. And especially since when I heard it, I was I I didn't know she made this kind of music. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that this is kind of a new thing. Yeah, that's very nice, you know, because it's also because I do so many, much, a lot of different things, you know? And when people check me in the internet, they can find something, what is one of the things I do. 
and they it, it's also for me even because I'm evolving artist I'm still like evolving and changing and sometimes I think like what people can think if they see only that song then they think I'm only like this because I like to change a lot and and I'm so, I'm this kind of artist who likes just to change and do a lot of different roles different things different wise kind of characters so yeah so this like this ethnic stuff is something really new for me and I love it and also this repetitive thing as you said like it have like this ritualistic so the ritual thing I think the thing is like with repetitive like I'm repeating 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 and it like give gives this kind of feeling about some kind of that I feel like I'm almost going into some kind of trance uh, mode, you know, so... Well, I think that's part of the point, is to yes. get that, you know, it is, is that's what, that's part of what makes it so ritualistic, is that, that yes. the trancyness in the way it just sort of slowly, slowly moves and undulates like a snake or something like that. Yes, 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 yes. Well... That's all I've got. Yeah, um, thank so it'll you. Be, yeah, we're recording this before the concert, so uh, break a leg tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh, and thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, thank you for your questions.
Thanks to Migloco for a great performance at Undercurrent. You can find her on Facebook as Migloco. That's M-I-G-L-O-K-O. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes. Adriana and I want to hear from you. Visit the Undercurrent webpage, undercurrent70.org, and follow Undercurrent on Instagram and Facebook. Those links are on the webpage and in the show notes. On behalf of Undercurrent and 1984 Products, I'm Osir P. and I'll catch you next time. In closing, here's a preview of the Dalus Panayotis collaboration. <laughs>